big game about my big game being game over, but I didn't end any games. Uh, I didn't try. felt like a little schoolgirl playing against uh, Kenny. I Blake tried to do a spin move and spun into me, and I think I will never, my neck will never feel the same ever again. I something crap. Uh, so I'm what, you know, I, I, I did share all the stuff that I, that I wanted to, you know, I shared some, some uh, ordinary things about me. I remember when I was in seventh grade, uh, walking out of the bathroom, these two girls were in the hallways and they looked at me and they started laughing. I was like, what should I do this time? <laughs> it wasn't like the only time in life where something like that happened, but then uh, I, I had toilet paper stuck to my shoe. <laughs> That's like the type of stuff that only happens in movies. How does that actually happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking around down the hall with toilet paper stuck to my shoe. That's how ordinary uh, I am. Uh, you know, I shared with you guys. You know, I was a guy who had a lot of dreams in, uh, in college, but uh, really struggled to do much at all because I kept getting in the way of myself. Uh, you know, I, it, it just, I, I've shared, but it, I was the type of person that needed to be, you know, corrected by God on the same lesson over and over and over again. I just never learned uh, the, the, uh, the easy way. I mean, I was so addicted to, uh, to masturbation in high school and uh, college. I mean, just so consumed with lust and, and lived in this constant cycle of discouragement that I can't ever really break through. And uh, I don't know what it was or what really clicked. I mean, you know, this isn't a period class. I'm not going to go you know, super into it. But, uh, but I, I think one of it was this moment of I've got, I've got no options here. I've got no backup plan. If I can't move past this, I'm in trouble. And I remember kind of sticking my feet, saying that I think it's been seven years since the last time, seven, almost eight or something like that. And so I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. I'm screaming so much on the court. Game over. In every shot was yes. with Brick City. <laughs> but uh, before I get into uh, my lesson, I'd love to just kind of hear where, how are you guys doing? You know what? What have, what have you got from the lesson so far? It doesn't have to be my lesson necessarily. Um, I'm not fishing for compliments or anything like that. So don't feel like you need to. Uh, but what, where are you at right now? You know we're wow twelve. 12 hours left of the retreat, or 15 hours left, okay? You know, this is the last lesson. Tonight's going to be a ton of fun. I know you guys are exhausted from the sun and the, whatever you did. You know, try and hang in there with me for just 40 minutes or 30 minutes, and, uh, and then we get food and we're just chilling, okay? So, but I would love to hear kind of what you guys so far, what do you get from this? Are there any decisions that are going, oh, this is on my heart. I need to do this. Yeah, Anthony. Walks away, like literally says she walked away that week. 
and like she had like no answer, no English came down, no vision opened up, nothing changed. But she just got to a point in her paralyzed where she just trusted God with it, or she was just like, I'm gonna leave this here. I think it's just making me so often I'm praying and I'll walk in it. Yeah. And I'm still like I'll like talk to God about it, but then I still go and get need to handle it on my own in my head. And I think it's really interesting because it's not like supposed to be my life anymore. I try not to pick on all the Kennesaw guys. Maybe a decision that you feel like, man, I gotta make this decision. Uh, yeah, Tim. Uh, I think one of the most inspirational things about this slide is from last night. Between the lesson last night, again uh, to go pray out last night with uh, Matthew, um, and just be out here and look up at the stars and just think about um, just how kind of like insignificant we are. Um, just kind of think about how, how vast everything is and just like think about what kind of perspective God must have on us. Yeah. Just how if Jesus is willing to be in that position where he was with God and exchange that to come down here to live the suffering life we do and endure all that, persevere all through that, so he can die because he wants to glorify God. Like when we complain about the things we have to deal with, you know, we really need to persevere, we really need to step up. Because this is not something that's we can take for granted in any sense. Yeah, what's your name? Ephraim? No, sorry, JK. I didn't honestly recognize you. <laughs> I didn't recognize you. Sorry, go ahead. Um, definitely uh, the one that I learned about was uh, the one about conflict. So it's funny you brought that up, Tom. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, John, um, John said something that was really profound. He was like, um, uh, if you hold grudges against someone and you're bitter towards someone or you have just like some kind of resentment towards someone, like you're not really living out the Jesus life because he came to reconcile for us. Mm-hmm. So how can you hold something against someone who you've been reconciled for? Right. And it's really made me think. Yeah, what about you, Blake? Um, well, one that really touched me was uh, Cody on, um, I think it was the cross. But he went over a lot of different subjects, but he really touched on how, um, what works about making other disciples. And my original mindset, I mean, that's how I did, but I plan on doing it now. But um, it was because um, I often think like in the head, like, okay, I have to be, people I'm saying with the Bible, with, I have to be as good as them. I have to be like, kind of got everything figured out before I can be baptized. But it kind of opened my eyes to like, just be willing, and I know that I'm willing to do it. So I guess that was like, 
that they thought to themselves, I want that to be me someday. You know, I hope that at the end of the day, your ultimate goal in life is to just see Jesus someday. To see your Father in heaven where he just, maybe it all goes black for a second. You die. Then white. And maybe there's a crowd just of angels and they're just applauding. But then all of a sudden everyone fades out and your Father is in front of you. And he says, well done. You're proud of yourself. Now, I really believe that that's what these people, that's what these ordinary people, they were looking for. They wanted to please their father because that's what they saw their, their, their Lord being consumed by. Father, glorify your name. Now, at the end of the day, if it's all about you and your glory, you will do jack dinner for this world. But, you know, it takes something else. It takes not having a backup plan. In verse 2 of Mark chapter 9, we're going to look at another moment. I just figured, hey, I, I love the moments where God kind of enters the scene with his disciples. And it didn't just happen once. It happened here again, and it's in the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah, Peter, John, and James, and Jesus... And in verse 2, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. And I'm so happy that we get to do that together with you guys. I hope that you get time alone this weekend. I hope that you get time to pray. Get time to just be with the brother. To make, maybe you didn't feel like you wanted to make a commitment to out loud. Or you pull someone aside memorable moments in my life. They were alone. But then all of a sudden, there, he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Definitely whiter than some of our laundry. <laughs> and there appeared before them Elijah, Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. He was so frightened. Appreciate that little, uh, little sidebar. <laughs> but then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly they looked around. They no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders to not tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what does rising from the dead mean? You know, I love this story, and I just wish I, wish I could have been there. To just be able to see this, to see the, the Jesus that we claim to love in his actual glory, in his actual, the way he really is up in heaven, dazzling white. He's not meek and mild up there anymore. He humbled himself here, but now he's the king of kings, lord of lords, and every knee on this planet will bow 
forcefully or willingly. And that's your decision. But to see this moment and see Jesus transfigured. You know, Peter, Peter was feeling pretty fired on that. You know, Peter always had a way of kind of putting his foot in his mouth. Kind of saying the thing that just kind of makes no sense. You know, he got to, he was with this, and what did he want to do? Stay. He's like, hey, it's kind of getting a little chaotic down there. Why don't we just stay here? Let's put up some shelters, and let's just kind of park here on this mountain where we have no responsibilities, and we can live comfortably here. We just started to develop back up. Sometimes I think that's the greatest temptation for all of us, is comfort. But then he hears this voice, right? He says, God, just out of, this is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. You know, I, don't, I don't know what your relationship with your father is like. You know, some of us, we've, we, don't, we maybe don't hear this one very often. <coughs> Or maybe, maybe your, you, your father wasn't really around, or maybe you had a different father figure that did give you the love. But, but do you crave to hear that from God? Mm-hmm. Do you crave to hear, this is my son, whom I love? You know, I just, there was no better prep time for me before I got up here than I just got to kiss my son like 50 times. I just love my son. I love him so much. He's four months old. He really, he doesn't do anything. He just exists right now. <laughs> I don't know what your relationship with your father is. Some of us may have a good one, and it could fuel us. That man, I want, I want that from God. Even you know, now I know what it's like a little bit. I got a picture for it. I'm gonna go for it even more. Some of us may not. That should make you hungry too. Man, you do have a Father in heaven that is there, that wants to say these words to you. You know, this moment, it says it sat in their minds. You know, I think about what transformed them, and what transformed them was, in verse 10, it said, they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead means. How often do you think about rising from the dead. You know, if you don't think about rising from the dead very often, you know what world you're thinking about? It's not that one. It's this one. We can get so stuck thinking about the the 50 years, 80 years tops that we'll have on this planet and not and forget the fact that Jesus all along was talking about rising from the dead. Do you have a backup plan? You know, there's nothing more dangerous and scary than a man who has nothing to lose. When they've given it all up. I love what Zechariah said. I got nothing. If Jesus isn't here, I got nothing. First Corinthians 15 says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we should be pitied beyond all men. Do you live that type of life where if Jesus, if this is a sham, 
Your life is pathetic and pitiful. Are you holding on to a couple contingency plans? What backup plans do you have? You know, we're talking about ordinary men. And so often we think of these, the apostles, right? Acts 4, it's the apostles. They just had this courage. But you know, there was an ordinary man that didn't make it to that day. Go to John chapter 12. Go, Tom. John chapter 12. The very beginning. <coughs> says six. Oh, I'm still your pages <coughs> Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And then the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples Judas, who later betrayed him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth the year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You know, we forget sometimes that Acts 4, there was one guy, one ordinary guy that didn't make it. Judas. <coughs> Judas didn't make it. Being ordinary is not the thing that makes you extraordinary. There's plenty of ordinary people out there that are doing nothing. It wasn't just that. It's what you do with that, right? It's the person, like we talked about, that you spend your life with in Jesus. It's remembering the love he had for you, where he died for you. But it's being people who have no Backup plan. Right. And Judas did. Isn't that what you see here? He sees this beautiful act of selflessness. You know, talk about a woman that had no backup plan. A year's wages. She gave it all. Poured it on his feet of Jesus. No, just money. I don't, I don't care. All the work I took to get that probably. I don't care. But Judas saw that and it was offensive to him. You know, sometimes we can get offended by the sacrifice that our brothers and sisters are making. That's a little too intense, dude. That's a little just too radical. You know, like, why don't you simmer down a little bit? It's because you're challenged. Come on, bro, yeah. You're challenged. Because you don't want to live that life sometimes. You know, I think about Judas 
And some of us just kind of throw him out there as like, yeah, he was just the worst person in the world. Hmm. We forget that any of us could have been him. Come on. Let's think about this. Judas squandered his opportunity. Mm -hmm. He spent three years with Jesus, but never let Jesus change his heart. He heard all the same lessons as the other 11 did. He even gave up some things. He followed. He actually made some sacrifices. He he was around Jesus, but he wasn't with him. He was a master deceiver. He fooled everyone. So much so that when Jesus said, someone is going to betray me, who? Which one? Which one of us? I mean, the greatest con artist ever. He was a master deceiver. You guys are way too good about not showing your true self. Not showing who you really are. He was a master deceiver. He was a hypocrite. He found a way to kind of slide his way through. You know, he could have asked any questions to get his heart fixed at that time. He could have, he was right there. He had every opportunity to turn around, to turn his heart around over and over and over again. And to be honest, guys, you know, as I think about the fact of me, me leaving in two months, the saddest thing to think about is some of you guys maybe not sticking around for the long haul. You spent three years of your life doing the thing, you know, going into your midweeks, going to church, you know, doing your things, and then maybe you don't keep it. You played the game. You never actually let yourself be transformed by Jesus. He just played the game. You know, that's one of the saddest things. The saddest thing I could ever see if on my visits back is, is seeing you guys just in church doing your thing. Hiding. When, oh, I'm done with campus now. So now I don't have to be super radical. Everyone else sharing their faith. I don't need to do this. Having dreams for your own life. What are the dreams that we think of? Oh, I just, as long as I find, find a relationship, I'll just hide there. Uh, you know what I'll do? I'll find, find a job that really consumes me, and I can use that as an excuse to not make Jesus the Lord of my life. Let's go, Tom. I don't have the energy to do this anymore. Get over it! Jesus died for you! He poured all of his blood out for you! I'm tired of this. I'm just too tired to do campus lifestyle anymore. It's not a campus lifestyle. It's a disciple's life. It's a disciple's life who has no backup plan. Because this is all that they have. And when they die, they will have had nothing to look back on. Because they were looking forward to their eternity. Guys, some of you guys are looking for a relationship in the world right now. You're, you're playing the game. Come on, bro. Looking for a girl who doesn't have the same conviction. What are you doing? Oh, you know what? I'll find another church somewhere with less accountability. A place where I can kind of sneak in there. Come on. You 
know, right now, Jesus, Jesus may not even be your first plan right now. Come on, bro. Yeah. He may not even be your backup plan. We can avoid hard talks and learn how to kind of just slide through the fellowship. Oh, how you doing, bro? Hey, I'm doing good. I'll see you later. Yeah. You just kind of sneak around, never really getting open about the sin in our heart. Judas's heart was getting uglier and uglier, and he never got scared enough to talk about it. And so the moment that he realized, oh, I can't, I can't profit off this anymore, right? He was, his, his thing was take the money. The moment he realized, whoa, 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 we're encouraging people to give up, even not even fiscally responsibly, he's like, that's not going to profit me. And actually, if you read in Matthew, I believe it's uh, 26, he leaves, he goes and attempts to betray Jesus right there. He goes right after this conversation, and he goes to the Sanhedrin to turn himself in. Because he's like, I can't profit from this anymore. This whole following Jesus thing is just not working for me anymore because now it's conflicting with my backup plan. It's conflicting with my, uh, my, my selfish ambition. And so he leaves and turns himself in. I'm scared of my own part. And the fight to stay and live a life being uncomfortable is challenging. But I'm here to tell you right now that your plan, if Jesus is not your number one right now, your plan will eventually conflict with Jesus. Right. And then the rubber will meet the road. Yep. And we'll see if you really love God. Yeah. You know, I'm inspired by Mary's heart to give it all up. And I just think about some of you guys, and I'm just so encouraged by the things that you guys have given up. Let's go to John chapter 6. Let's go, Tom. I don't have a lot to brag about myself, but the one thing that I will say is I have no backup plan. I mean, if this isn't, I have nothing else besides this. I just, I don't. I'm about to upheave. Why would I leave you? I mean, why? I, this is, I could literally get buried on the Kennesaw Green and just be completely happy. Live my whole life in Kennesaw. I just, I, Dre, I want to spend the rest of the year, your years here. You kidding me? Why would I want to leave? Bro, you inspire me. Seriously, bro, being in Bible studies with you, why would I want to leave that? Just Brandon, are you kidding me? Every time I look at Brandon, I'm inspired by his heart and his faith. I can't even look at this world right here. And over here and everywhere else. <laughs> over there too. <laughs> Why would I do that? It's because Jesus had a plan. And he had an ambition. And you can't live for Jesus' dream if you have your own. You know, I was thinking about doing a lesson on dreaming. Oh, we just need a dream more. No, you don't. You don't need a dream more. When you want to make someone proud, you know what you do? You have their dream. Jesus already had a dream. His dream was to save the world. 
You don't need a dream about it. You just need to spend your whole life trying to have his dream come true. We don't need to see the dream about, oh man, what do I want to do with my life? Do whatever it takes to make Jesus known. You know, there was something about these men that changed them from being ordinary. In verse, uh, verse 66, John 6. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The reality is, people left Jesus. It, it, it happened all the time. Because Jesus calls us to die to ourselves. He didn't die for us just so that we would be saved. He actually died for us and called us to join him with him. And it was challenging. And some people were not willing to go all the way. They wanted Jesus to fit into their life. They were not willing to make Jesus their whole life. And Jesus asked a simple question you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answers, says it all. His, this answer is why Peter was the person that he was. Because of this right here. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter's like, well, where else would I go? Where else would I go? I mean, some of us are waiting <coughs> tempted by the world right now. Yeah. Why is it so appealing to you? Yeah. You became Christians to leave that world. Right. And now you're getting tempted to go back? I mean, what is so appealing about the world? Yeah. It offers temporary pleasure and a lifetime of pain. It offers so much and leaves you so empty. What is getting you so tricked up about it? To get tempted by the world. Peter figured it out. Yeah. Where else would I go? I remember several times as a college student thinking about leaving. I just do. I, I, I mean... I never really had a good semester in college. So for those of you guys who are still struggling, feeling like, you know, we're not going to like put the piece together, just hang in there, okay, Amen, please. Bro. Amen, bro. I never, like, I honestly, <coughs> you know, Max is my hero. Max didn't have, like, the greatest semester last semester. I remember we had a talk. Oh, you're okay. It's okay to have a bad semester. The grace of God is bigger than that. I've been so inspired by him this semester, though. Going after the first start for him was getting open about his life. And he let himself get deep when Judas was not willing to. He let his heart actually get soft again. It's just, it's just so encouraging to see. I have so many visions for you, Max. Believe that you can do so much. It's going to take you having no backup plan. You know, I remember a specific time where I, uh, I shared my faith with this girl, and then she started texting me, like, not to come to Bible talk. It was kind of one of those moments, you know? I remember she started, like, drunk texting me. 
And I remember she lived in a different city because I met her on a mega bus thing or something. I was visiting another country. I shared my faith with her. I remember specifically thinking to myself, I could leave this church right now, go to New York, just move into this girl's apartment and just run away from it all. I just remember thinking to myself, like, it could be that easy. Because it's so hard for me to pull away with all these people. Like, you know, that's actually the way it's supposed to be, you know, because we love each other, so we fight for each other. But I, I remember just thinking, like, what if I just did that? Just low-key, just disappeared. And I, honestly, all it was was like, and then what? Then what? Then I do that, and then, oh, then we get married? Oh, wow. Or then I get to, you know, sleep around with this girl, and then what? Oh, maybe it doesn't work out and sleep around with someone else. Or maybe we get married. And then we have a terrible marriage. Because neither of us have God as our foundation. <coughs> and then maybe we have kids someday and we have terrible kids. Because none of us know how to raise our kids. Because we don't even know how to let ourselves be disciplined by God. And then what? Then I get old and I'm discontent, hollow, and I die. And then what? I remember just those things kind of going through in my head. I was like, I'm stuck. <laughs> stuck. Now, Jesus is not making it hard for you. This is the biggest no-brainer decision of your life to follow Jesus. It's the only one that makes sense. It's the only one that offers anything. That gives you a hope and a future and joy and love. It's the only thing that gives you that. I remember clicking and just kind of having to turn myself in and get open with a couple I don't know why I was texting this girl. And you know, that, that was it. Some of you guys may be there right now. At some point in your life, most of you will be. But this is too hard. Should I keep pushing? Should I keep pushing to give my whole heart? Is there a way for me to say, well, you're going to be there at some point. But I pray that even though you're ordinary, you have no backup plan. Love you guys. Thank you.